You're listening to episode 44 of the Rebel Buddhist Podcast, where we talk about the power of the pause and why taking a few seconds for one throughout the day can change everything. Welcome to the Rebel Buddhist Podcast, where we explore how to use the science of psychology, Eastern spiritual practices like mindfulness and compassion, and the game-changing work of self-coaching so you can free your mind and free your life. I'm your host, Anna Verzoni. Hey, hey, my friends. How are you doing? I had an epic mini snorkeling session yesterday with my husband here in Kailua Kona, and there's a little cove right next to us. And it's sort of hard to get into with the surf, but there was a big calm spell. So we decided to hop in just like 20 minutes. And we saw a turtle and eels and almost every fish in our tropical fish of Hawaii guide. So much fun. So today I'm just laying low because it's a bit overcast and I'm feeling mellow. Before I dive in, I wanted to take a moment and send some love and support to the people here in Hawaii experiencing some intense flooding that hasn't been seen for decades. There are rivers running through people's houses and cars and homes being swept away in some part of the islands. And if you know someone who's suffering right now in their own way as well, or maybe even it's yourself, just take a moment right now to send some love and support to them or to you. So that's a pause, right? Taking a pause to acknowledge what's there. Now, today's topic is about the power of the pause. And I wanted to give you a heads up that I am going to tell a potentially triggering story of when I worked in the emergency department of a level one trauma center. So if you're worried about that, you can skip ahead a few minutes, all right? Now, first, I want to tell you about when I was first diagnosed with kidney cancer. I was in graduate school at UC San Francisco and living in my friend's basement. And when I got the message, I initially felt this wave of nausea, like throwing up. And then my brain turned on and started planning, planning, planning. Okay, like what needs to happen? What are the treatment options? Who's the best surgeon to handle this? I texted friends of friends who were physicians at UCSF where I was a student and instead of pausing, I was going into control mode. But then, thankfully, and I attribute this to my meditation practice, something inside told me to pause. And I did. I turned off the computer and sat in the quiet of the basement. And this huge void opened. And it got filled with fear and sadness and pain. And I started crying. And I went upstairs and knocked on the bedroom door of my friends. It was late at night. And they told me to come in. And I crawled into bed with them and started crying even harder. I told them I just found out I had cancer and that I was scared. It was a bad kind of cancer. And they hugged me and held me. And I'll never forget that, the intensity of letting myself pause, the tidal wave of emotions, but also the relief 
of finally being with what was happening in the moment, being with it fully and authentically. I also remember when I was a nurse in the emergency department at San Francisco General Hospital. I just started in the department, and it was a level one trauma center, and we saw a lot of serious accidents, right? A lot of traumas came through. And I remember very clearly the first time I saw someone die on the table. He was an elderly man who'd had a heart attack at home, and his wife was en route. And I was brand new, still orienting to the unit. We were all assigned a task for traumas. There is a team leader. And usually we had enough of a heads up that the roles were assigned ahead of time and we prepared for the patient to arrive. And being new, I was assigned one of the IV access points. And after I finished that, I wasn't assigned a new task yet. And other nurses were injecting medications, residents were running the code with the attending standing by, and there was what seemed to be this sort of organized chaos. And I stood there feeling pretty helpless, wondering what I should do. I went up to the head of the bed, and I just looked at the man on the table, and I just thought, I wonder if he feels alone or scared. And I held his head gently in my hands, and I said, It's okay. And I said his name. I'm here. Everyone is doing everything they can. I am here for you. You are in the best hands possible. You just do what you need to do. And I don't know what drove me to say it, but the next words out of my mouth were, You are loved, and you're going to be okay no matter what. And I meant it. And once the time of death was called, we did a debrief. A longer one was going to follow. And more emergencies had come in, so everyone had to leave the room. And I'd never seen someone die before. And I lingered behind in the room for a moment. I was at his head still. I paused. It seemed so quiet. And I prayed. I held his head in my hands still. And then I left the room. And that pause helped me honor that this was a life that was lost. Someone's husband, maybe someone's dad, someone's former lover, maybe a teacher, a best friend. He was a being, a fellow human being, just like me. And the pause felt sacred. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to do that all the time when I wanted to. Things felt so hectic. And often, we had one thing after another arriving that needed attention to. And it warms my heart now to hear that a practice named The Pause was created by an emergency room nurse in 2009. And it's a short-term micro-break that gives team members a few seconds of silence to honor a patient who's died while also honoring the efforts of the team. And I didn't say a few minutes, I said a few seconds. That's how powerful a few seconds can be, yeah? And it's now used on four continents as a standard of care, and it's spreading. So this sacredness of the pause is being honored. Now, what about joyful things? We don't just pause for shitty things, right? Another time I remember I was asked to give a blessing of the food at a friend's wedding, 
And I felt there was so much joy and love and laughter. And I felt what was needed was a pause to reflect on what was really happening here. A sacred union, a commitment, a community bearing witness and an honoring and a coming together on a beautiful day with an abundance of food made by everyone in attendance. So before I said any more, I invited everyone to take a pause. And we all sensed a kind of sacredness to the process by taking those few moments. We looked at each other's faces, saw the beauty of nature around us, the mountains of Alaska rising around us and the trees above us, heard the birds, kids laughing. And we can sense this need for a pause in our bodies too, that we need to be able to pause when we encounter these moments, whether it's death or birth or beauty or moments with each other in a certain way or stress. We can sense that it's in the moments of pausing that we really connect with our natural lightness, presence, wisdom, and creativity. Pausing is really a way of reconnecting with our essential nature of being. So today I wanted to talk about pausing and learning to pause, especially in times of stress, because that's when we most need to pause. Now, one thing I know from doing a bunch of backcountry trips is that what makes a fire burn is not just making a huge pile of wood and then trying to light it on fire, right? We need space between the logs too, a breathing space to allow the air to flow and for oxygen to get in. And some people think that piling on a bunch of logs will make a bigger fire, but that ends up being too much. There's not enough space for anything to feed the fire. And the fire may not even catch with so much wood like that in that scenario. So building fires requires attention to the spaces in between. When we give the fire this space, it grows. And this is a wisdom that can guide us in our life. If it's too packed with activity, if there's no pausing, there's not space for a universal flow of wisdom and love and creativity to move through us. There are two related reasons. Well, there's probably many, but the two that I want to talk about right now for why it's really hard to pause are, one, we're very habituated to doing. We're in a kind of doing habit, right? You know, they talk about a human doing versus a human being, and we are doing, doing, doing on autopilot, right? It's just our habit to have lots of activity going on. We're in a culture of busy. And the second is that much of that doing is driven by our primitive brain, our limbic brain that's saying something's wrong, right? When there's stillness, there's something's wrong and I need to do something so that I'm ready for what's around the corner, that I'm prepared. Or maybe it's that something's missing. I need to do stuff so I can make sure I get it and don't miss out. We're driven by the more primitive parts of our brain. And so it's really difficult to pause because those drives give us a sense of controlling things when we're taking action on them. We manage threats and we go for advantages and opportunities by doing. The reality is that there are threats to avoid and opportunities to go after, and we need to respond and be active in our life. The problem is that we get hooked on that. We get hooked on thinking 
that there's always something that we need that's missing and there is always something that's threatening that we're fearing and that there's always something else we're supposed to be doing. So we get locked into incessant action and there's no breathing space. Just the way a fire needs air and space to burn brightly, for our lives to burn brightly, we need some space, right? We need to sleep as a pause in order to physically have our full health and our vitality. And we need to mentally pause to stop the ongoing stories going on in our mind, to have a space where a deeper kind of wisdom can move through us. So without this pause of sleep, we literally lose our minds and get sick. The training of creating a pause starts with the intention that we pause more, both through meditation and with informal practice throughout the day. And if you're not a meditation practitioner at this time, that's fine. You can do this informal practice throughout the day. It's like active meditation, yeah? One of my friends was a nurse, so she chose to pause whenever she washed her hands. And as a nurse, you do that a lot. And maybe now during COVID, we all do it more than we used to as well. So we can maybe do that or every time we put on hand sanitizer. I set alarms on my phone. They're nice sounding and mellow. They're not jarring. And I remember a friend and I, decades ago, we were like, we should make a watch that reminds you to pause and be mindful. And I guess someone invented that too. (laughs) Now, it's important to note that sometimes when we pause, which is basically stopping your goal-oriented activity, right? We feel anxiety often because the challenge in the pause is that it creates a space and we feel the vulnerability that's there in that space. And that doesn't always feel good. I've noticed that as I pause more and open to what is, to the vulnerability of caring so damn much and seeing the suffering of all beings and having heartache, yet also bearing witness to the light, dancing on the water, turtles gently floating in the ocean, hearing the sounds of whales and the softness of my kid's skin and the sweetness of her voice, I cry a lot more. And I think, why the fuck am I doing this? I'm crying more, (laughs) but I'm feeling more. I'm more present with all that is, and it's achingly beautiful. So we have to be willing to sit with the discomfort that first arises, that vacuum that gets filled with things, things we may not be so into. So there's an incredible push to get back into action. There's anxiety or restlessness in us, which is why instead of pausing when we're stressed, we often start to busy ourselves. Before I prepared for this podcast, I was meeting with a group of fellow entrepreneurial women, and we were talking about this pressure to keep doing so much, right? And about this belief so many of us have, and you don't even have to be an entrepreneur to have this belief that if we're not working hard in some way, we're falling short. And in some way, it reflects badly on who we are. And that we realize we have this underlying belief that if we're busy, we're important. And I had this even before I was an entrepreneur with like adventures, right? Feeling like I needed to pack in each day with so much doing, doing, doing for the sake of adventure, which felt more righteous than work, but in terms of intention of what I was doing, same, same. 
to do, do, do instead of pause and be with what would arise. This runs pretty deep in the American culture, and there's a sense of feeling hypervigilant when we're stressed and busy, so rather than pausing, we often react aggressively. How many times have we regretted that we didn't pause instead of making a hurtful comment, something we can't take back? Or hitting that send button and wishing we could undo it. And by the way, so glad Gmail came up with the undo button, right? (laughs) But when this happens, we need to see that we were hijacked by our limbic system. And because we didn't pause, we did something that created more distance with someone. We get caught in the momentum of it and then feel a sense of shame or guilt about it later. We see this also in the addictive behaviors we get caught in, the buffering, right? Because we don't pause, the urge or craving moves us right into grasping. Like, subconsciously, it seems. Whether it's for the Haagen-Dazs coffee ice cream, the third glass of wine, gambling, porn, online shopping, over-Netflixing, whatever it is. We see this in spiritual life, too, a grasping for a certain meditative state, maybe one we found really enjoyable in the past, and we grasp for that instead of pausing and just being right here with what is. There's a Zen story I love. A new student comes to the monastery and says to the abbot, I want to join. How long is it going to take me to get enlightened? And you can feel the energy of it. This is not a pausing or a stepping back from things, right? And the abbot says, hmm, 10 years. And so the student goes, well, what if I work twice as hard? And the abbot says, 20 years. Well, wait a minute. You just said 10 years, the student exclaimed. For you, 30 years. (laughs) It's like bargaining in some hardcore market in India or something, right? When we don't pause, we just get carried into the grasping the doing, just to get out of the uncomfortable feeling. We also see this in patterns of behaviors in our modern lifestyle that keep us so freaking preoccupied and working so hard that we're not really able to pause and just be with each other. So much busyness, the texting, the repeated checking of emails, how many likes did I get, how many followers, feeling like we should be available at any moment, wondering if there's something else we should be paying attention to other than right now. And just as we don't want to pause in a busy day to feel that restlessness or void that opens up, we avoid pausing when we are with other people. Because often we fear maybe we're not going to be accepted for who we are or that we'll be judged. So we don't pause with each other in an open-ended way, without an agenda. And that creates a lot of distance, too. So when we don't pause to see what's really happening, either inside us or outside of us and in others, we don't show up in a way that we're proud of. You may have heard about the now infamous at this point Good Samaritan study where there were students of theology and they were in a study where they were on their way to give a presentation right? On the Good Samaritan story. (laughs) So they're about to teach on this. And half of the participants were randomized to have a sense of urgency about the time that they had to get to the next presentation by. 
And there was a homeless person asking for help. And what was interesting was that if people had a sense of urgency that they had to make it to the presentation, they're the ones who didn't stop, even if what they were going to teach on was the Good Samaritan story, right? So how do we undo this? And a quote that I use a lot by Viktor Frankl is, between the stimulus and the response, there is a space. And in that space is your power and your freedom. And part of that freedom includes your love and your wisdom. So, okay. We've established that we know we need to pause, but again, how do we pause? How do we stop? And the archetypal pause is when the Buddha came to rest under the Bodhi tree. And from that great pause, enlightenment arose, yeah? He was able to see in that pause the reality of who he was, who we all are, the radiance, the compassion, the loving presence that is our true nature. You might sense that all of meditation is a pause when we are intentionally stepping out of our automatic or habitual doing. In meditation, we're stopping goal-oriented activity. And then within meditation, again, we get lost in thoughts that are trying to get us somewhere or figure something out or worrying thoughts. And we just keep having to bring it back, rein it back in and relax back into that non-doing presence. In a way, the practice of meditation is this pattern of forgetting and getting caught in some doing and some thinking and then remembering again and relaxing and then pausing again and inhabiting that pause, not doing anything, just being. And this is how we practice pausing. And as we do this in meditation, we get better at it in the moment in our day-to-day messy lives as well. This is how we learn to pause when we're feeling reactive too, when we're super triggered by our mom or something our partner said or some upsetting news, right? Meditation creates more opportunity to notice the space between a stimuli and a response. And along with formal meditation time on the cushion, we can practice informal pausing throughout the day. So, like I was saying earlier, Give yourself different times during the day to take a 20-second pause. It's amazing. You might do it when you sit at your desk in the morning or while you take a sip of tea or as you're walking outside. Just stop and just open your senses for 20 seconds. Or while you're talking with a friend, just stop together, pause together. I also like to do it When I've flown somewhere, when I first land, I touch the earth. I also like to get into a body of water as soon as possible to ground and get present. Let my soul catch up and land with me. You'll find that the pause disrupts that habitual default mode and brings you right here. Remember that when we pause, we'll often feel that tug to get into activity again, right? Because we don't want to be with those uncomfortable emotions that fill that space. And the trick is to just stay. As Pema Chodron says, it's like training a puppy. Stay. Stay. 
And if you practice pausing in many different situations, you'll start getting the hang of it. Right? So the beginning of a pause is instead of going after the goal-oriented or fear-driven activities, we just notice the present moment. What's happening right now? Our whole sense of identity and how we relate to our world shifts. This is the gift of mindfulness. This is the power of the pause. When we can be with what's here, then we bring clarity and kindness to it. We find there's space for it and are no longer in reactivity to it. We have more capacity, more options, more potential. Then we can respond to the world with wisdom, to the suffering of others, of ourselves, and to see the beauty that's with us too. In the pause, we actually get that we can deal with whatever's in front of us. We have Zigi, that radiant inner confidence, because we are not spinning in what might happen. We are with what is. We could leave. We could confront the other person. We could let it slide. We could stay. But in that space, what's opened up in that pause is more choice. So, the power of the pause. And it's much more challenging when we're in the midst of drama with someone else, right? So I'd like to invite you to just experiment right now and give you a chance to bring this practice to a situation where you get hooked or triggered. Of course, we try to practice the pause in real life with other people, but the more you practice on your own, the more you have developed those neural pathways in your brain and the feelings in your body that will help you actualize it when you're in a difficult situation in real life, yeah? So it could be something at work, uh, with your kids, with a partner, with your parents, at home, with a friend, something that involves another person. And let yourself remember that situation as if you're an observer, like you're watching a movie on a screen so that you can hear what the other person might be saying that's like triggering, right? That hooks you. Or maybe you see the look on their face or that comment that they always make. And sense what's going on that's really triggering you. And just pause at this, which is the key point in this mind movie, right? Right before you've reacted to it. Pause here. Pause at this point when you wish you could pause when it actually happens. So for me, that would be right before I lashed out at my husband in an argument, for example, right? In that pause, as I described, go ahead and take those breaths, those mindful, grounding breaths that anchor you. A nice full in-breath and a slow out-breath. And again. And again. And when you're with another person, there might not be time to take that many breaths. But for now, just sense the pause. Let your senses be wide awake and take a moment to really experience 
the vulnerability of whatever is triggered in you. Rather than running away, you pause and sit and lean into what is here with a relaxed and gentle attention without judgment. You simply breathe with it. And you can let the space of a pause have some kindness to it. Right? Opening up to what's here with a gentle quality. And let that pause also include attending to the other person. You might notice, like, what else do you perceive when you have the benefit of a pause? What else do you see about the other person when you aren't in the grip of reactivity? How might they be caught in their insecurity, in their unmet needs, in their vulnerability? When we get good at pausing, we can respond to our circumstances. We see more. We feel more. So in this pause, how might you choose to respond in this triggering situation? How can your deepest nature come through and guide you? And you can trust in the days and weeks to come that even a short pause begins to give access to those qualities that are part of your true nature, right? That deep, inherent intelligence and love and creativity that's part of our nature and all of us. More and more, we'll start to know when to stop to create that space and it lets our true nature shine through right? And as we become aware of this in us, we start to sense it in others too. So instead of wanting to fix them or react in a situation, we can create that pause, that space to let what needs to happen, happen. I remember hearing Tara Brock tell the story about a four-year-old child whose next-door neighbor was a recently widowed elderly gentleman And one day the little boy noticed the man sitting out on his porch crying. And he went into his yard and climbed onto his lap and just sat there. And his mother looked over and saw her son and the old man sitting together. And when her child came home, she asked him what he had said to the neighbor. And his response was, I didn't say anything, Mommy. I just helped him to cry. So at this point, we've been exploring this on an individual level, you know, or one-on-one with someone else. But this same process unfolds in a societal way too, right? So instead of being in this reactive space of blame and reactivity, we can begin to start stepping out of our fear-driven way of being. And when people from diverse races and beliefs, religions, lifestyles, skin colors, have conflict with conditioned fears, attachments and aversions, when we can pause together and deepen presence, then it is more possible to see past the surface and understand, oh, just like me, you too want to love and be loved. And just like me, you have fears that keep you withdrawing. We get to see the reality, and this is what we need in the world. Now more than ever, yeah? We need this training in the pause so we can arrive to any situation in mindfulness and presence. 
it's actually a rebellious act to have that intention to not keep doing anything, not controlling anything, to say yes to experiencing life completely awake, senses wide open, non-doing, and to create sacred moments throughout your day to consciously cultivate this. I want to end here with a poem from one of my fave poets, Pablo Neruda. Now we will count to 12 and we will all keep still. For once on the face of the earth, let's not speak in any language. Let's stop for one second and not move our arms so much. It would be an exotic moment without rush, without engines. We would all be together in a sudden strangeness. Fishermen in the cold sea would not harm whales. And the man gathering salt would not look at his hurt hands. Those who prepare green wars, wars with gas, wars with fire, victories with no survivors, would put on clean clothes and walk about with their brothers in the shade, doing nothing. What I want should not be confused with total inactivity. Life is what it is about. I want no truck with death. If we were not so single-minded about keeping our lives moving and for once could do nothing, perhaps a huge silence might interrupt this sadness of never understanding ourselves and of threatening ourselves with death. Perhaps the earth can teach us as when everything seems dead and later proves to be alive. Now I'll count up to 12 and you keep quiet and I will go. Okay, Rebels, 20 seconds, all right? Set the intention for more pauses throughout the day. Pick your habit trigger, whether it's washing hands, sitting at your desk, whatever it might be, and pause. Breathe, 20 seconds, that's it. And see what happens in your life when you pause like this throughout the day. It could change everything. If you like what you heard, please spread the love and share it. And if you know you need some help with this and want to learn more about how to free your mind and free your life, go to rebelbuddhist.com and grab my free Rebel Buddhist Toolkit, where you'll receive a video training on cultivating resilience, access to the private Rebel Buddhist group where I do weekly live sessions on topics just like this, and a copy of the gorgeous Rebel Buddhist Manifesto, and more for free. That's rebelbuddhist.com.